It's good to have you with us today. I hope you uh, enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I hope you had some great time with your family, some great time with your um, friends over Thanksgiving. Um, We are going to take a little bit of time this morning, and I'm going to bring something from the scripture that I was reading this week um, that I'd like you to hear. Uh, And then we're going to do something a little bit different um, that I'll explain a little bit later. Uh, But if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Philemon in the New Testament, the book of Philemon. It is near the end of the New Testament. If you aren't quite sure where it is, uh, you may actually miss it because it is only one chapter. It is a book with one chapter, similar to the book of Jude. There is only one chapter in the book of Philemon. If you want to make it an effort to memorize a book of the Bible, you could probably memorize the book of Philemon, and then you could tell people you memorize an entire book of the Bible. Um, There's only, you know, 20-something verses, and it's a great opportunity for you to uh, not just memorize God's Word, but there's something significant in here that I want to talk about today, and that's why why we're going to there. Um, So Philemon's towards the end of the New Testament. If you don't have it with you, you could certainly follow along on the slides. We're going to read through most of the chapter this morning, but before we get started... Um, I just want to tell you why I think this, this book is important and why we're going to talk about it. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be different. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be different. That's not weird different, but different. We're supposed to be different in the way we think, in the way we act. Supposed, we're supposed to be different in our priorities, We're supposed to be different in the way that we love, and we're supposed to be different in the way that we live. In fact, Christians are supposed to be different. Jesus even said that it is by our what that they would know that he is real. By our fruit, right? If you've heard that, maybe some of you have heard that. It's by our fruit that people would know that we're real, that he is real. Christians are supposed to look different. And when we are followers of Christ, we become followers of Christ, we should see the world through a different set of lenses, we should see the world through a different heuristic, different viewpoint. Our priorities should look different. The things that are motivating us to look should not just be the things in the flesh, the things in the world, but it should be a foundational thing that comes from following Jesus Christ. And I'm sharing that with you this morning because there is a message that we see in the world around us that reminds us each and every day that the priority of our lives needs to be ourselves. The priority of our lives need to be our needs, our priorities, our interests. Our everything should take priority, it seems, many times over others. This is what we hear many times in the world. And if, and if somebody is going to hurt you, that it's okay sometimes to hurt them back. If they're going to say something harsh about you, that it's okay to speak harshly back to them. If people are going to threaten you in some way, then you can threaten them back. You know, I mean, these are things maybe that you've experienced or maybe you've heard other people deal with. But the truth of the matter is the culture that we live in basically says if someone treats you poorly, you are justified in treating them poorly back because you have to protect yourself. You have to guard against other things that could damage yourself, maybe your reputation, maybe your well-being. This goes on and on. And there's lots of different ways you could look at that. Basically, you have to look out for yourself. And a lot of people do look out for themselves. They justify their actions. We can justify the things that we prioritize. We can justify our control. We can justify a lot of things. And from the world's perspective, they would nod ahead. And many times, looking at it with carnal eyes in the flesh, 
we get a bow of approval to say, well, of course, somebody did this thing to you. You should do this thing back to them without giving too much thought as to the significance, whether that's accurate or not. And I'm sharing that with you today because that's not how Jesus has called Christians to live. That's not how he's called followers of Christ to live. See, when we become followers of Christ, we're not inviting Jesus into our lives to come alongside us. We invite him into our life to become our Lord, not just to walk alongside us. You know, the beautiful uh, poem from years ago of the footprints in the sand, and some of you have heard those things, that there's two sets of footprints in the sand, you know, and then when things get really hard, there's only one set of footprints in the sand, and You know, the person looks at the Lord and says, why is there only one footprint, set of footprints when things are hard? And and he says, well, it's because during those times I carried you. But the idea of having two footprints in the sand, many times we associate that as side by side, that we're going in a direction and Jesus is kind of just following and coming along. And he's our resource and he's our guide and he's our helper. But ultimately what the scripture actually teaches is it's not an equal thing. He's not our peer. When we trust Christ and he becomes our Lord and Savior, he becomes our Lord which means we follow him. He does not follow us. He takes over the mantle of leadership of our lives and we willingly surrender it so that we may live and draw closer to him. The apostle Paul said after he met Christ, later on he penned this in in the New Testament. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, I no longer live, but what? Christ lives in me. He's very clear about that when he says the way that we're supposed to live is to live as not followers of Jesus Christ alone, but as slaves to Christ. And not slaves in a negative sense, but he knows best. He's our master. We follow him and we do as he asks us to do. So I'm sharing all that with you because it's important for us to recognize that going to church doesn't make you a Christian Serving in a worship team or serving on a, in a capacity as a volunteer in some capacity in the church doesn't make you a better person than somebody else. True Christianity, regardless of where you serve and what you do, true Christianity is about saying, I've made a declaration. Like in our first service, we had someone get water baptized, a young boy. And he made a decision the other year, year or two ago to follow Jesus. And today he was going public saying, I just want everyone to know that I'm a follower of Christ. True Christianity means laying down our own priorities and our own perspectives and following Christ. So I'm sharing that with you this morning because the way in which we're supposed to respond to things and how we're supposed to respond to things is actually very well illustrated in the book of Philemon. Philemon, like I said, is one chapter, and it is a letter that is written to a man named Philemon by the Apostle Paul. So I want to give a little bit of history here as to what this is about and why this is so relevant for us today. Okay, so a little background, and I'm going to get it right in this service. The first service, I reversed the names for a few minutes. So I'm going to get it right in this service. Um, The Apostle Paul writes a letter to a man named Philemon. He lives in a town called Colossae. Okay, Philemon was a wealthy man, and he lived in this town. Paul knew him because Paul was in Colossae in one of his missionary journeys. But now Paul is in Rome, and he's in prison. And he's writing a letter to Philemon for a very specific purpose. And while we understand from the history of that, Philemon wasn't just a follower of Jesus in Colossae. He was a well-respected individual in Colossae. He actually opened his home up so the believers could gather. So if you will, he was kind of like the host home of the house church in Colossae. He was wealthy. He loved God. He walked in relationship with Paul while Paul was there in Colossae. And he had good relationship, claiming to be a follower of Jesus. 
Not only was he wealthy, he had slaves. Not slaves in the sense that we understand slaves here in the United States from a few hundred years ago, but they were servants. And they were, if you will, owned by the individuals that worked with them. They weren't treated quite the same way, but they were still owned by individuals. And Philemon had this slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus, at some point in his life, decided to leave and run away from his master, Philemon. And he did. And we understand from the scriptures here that he ran away from Philemon and he decided to go all the way to Rome. So he went all the way to Rome. While he was in Rome, he happened to come across the Apostle Paul and he heard the gospel and he gave his life to Christ. So now, once he was a slave, he is now a follower of Jesus Christ. He then becomes a great help to Paul while he's in prison, helping him in many different ways. And Paul has this idea of sending a letter back to Philemon with Onesimus, asking him to do some things for Onesimus and to forgive him for the things that he did. Now, if you were Philemon, you would still, uh, I'm sorry, if you were Onesimus, you would be unhappy about the idea of going back to your master. Because according to Roman law, if you left your master and you stole from him, which they believe he would have done, he stole from him and he left him because he needed resources to go away, he would not be very pleased and very excited about going back to his master. Roman law was very clear that there were severe penalties and consequences for people that would leave or run away. And when they were caught, the masters could do some things to them, which were not very nice. And then stealing on top of it would have added additional consequence and penalty. So big picture what's going on here is Paul now in prison after Philemon, I'm sorry, after Onesimus has given his heart to Christ. He's a follower of Jesus. He's been helping Paul while he's in prison, takes this letter, and he goes back to Philemon. And Paul begins to instruct him through the letter on what he's asking him to do, what he's asking Philemon to do. And this is so important because the what he asks him to do is drastically different than what the world would say he was allowed to do. You know, sometimes we get approval and justification by the world's standards, but in God's standards, it's unacceptable. And Paul is taking this opportunity to write a letter to Philemon to say, I don't care what you think about what the world and the law says you can do to this man. Let me appeal to you from a different perspective. Today's message is actually called On the Basis of Love, because what you're going to find is that although Paul had the opportunity and the authority to command him to demand that Philemon do something, he didn't approach it that way. He approached it from a perspective or a basis of love. So we're going to read most of this chapter together, and I want you to follow along beginning in verse 1, and we'll tell the story. Paul says in verse 1, A prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother... To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also, to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for, for his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Okay, so he greets him, he speaks about his love, and then he goes to his plea in verse 8. 
he says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Interesting fact, Onesimus actually means useful. So what he was saying was, I know that he was your slave, but beforehand he actually was completely useless to you, even though he was a slave of yours. Now he's become both useful to you and to me. And then he begins to explain. Verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that I could take your place and helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. So you're tracking with me so far? What he's talking to him about, how he's, he's setting it up, the fact that he wants something from him regarding Onesimus. He's sending Onesimus back to him and he wants to him to accept him. Verse 15, he says, Perhaps the reason he, Onesimus, was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. See what Paul's doing? He's making a connection here, and he says, I know that the the law is saying you own him, and you're his master, and he's a slave of yours, but let's be very clear. Now that he's a follower of Christ and he's dear to me, you can know him as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. He's challenging him to look at things through spiritual eyes. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I love that. I love that line. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. What he's saying is, I really hope you consider and you do what I'm asking you to do. Remember when I started this morning, I said, followers of Jesus are different. And when we follow Jesus, if I could say it a little differently, when we follow Jesus, we see the world through a different set of lenses. We see the world through the lenses of spirituality, through what it means to know Jesus, not just to follow the laws that are around us. I think if we took a step back this morning and we honestly asked ourselves how many times we have had to make a decision on something and the way the world counsels us to do it looks different than what God asks us to do. You follow me? You know what I'm talking about? There are things that we have had to do in our lives many times where if we look at it simply by what's acceptable by the world is unacceptable to God. And what Paul is trying to teach Philemon in this place is that you have an opportunity here to welcome this slave back into your home, not as a slave, but as a fellow man and a brother. And that is not something that he would have to do because according to Roman law, there is a consequence to what he did. But Paul is appealing to the spiritual element of the fact that we are no longer, um, we are no longer followers of the world The world is no longer our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. 
So he's telling him, you need to look at things through spiritual eyes and not look at things through physical eyes. Because when we look at things through the lens that's spiritual, things change. Our identity changes. We have a new identity. We get new beliefs. We get new priorities. Why? Because we have a new Lord. And his name is Jesus Christ. So Paul is encouraging him to do this, and he's asking him to do it, not because he's forcing him to do it, but he's doing it, remember he said right up in front, on the basis of love. Now I want to make something clear here. The love that Paul's talking about is not the love that Paul demonstrated towards Philemon. And if it was that, that that was being the case, then we would apply that as we should love other people because they love us. And that's not what Paul's talking about here. The basis of love that he's challenging Philemon to think about is not as how much Paul loves Philemon, but it's how much Jesus loves Philemon. And what he's saying is to treat your brother with love is the way you should respond because of the way your Savior loves you. You with me? This is really like important for us to understand that because in this world today, we are continually faced with having to choose what we say and do to people around us. And sometimes the things we do, like I said, may be justified by the world, but it doesn't mean they're approved by God. I had a friend of mine a few years ago, and I was talking to him about the, the job situation that he was in, and he was being harassed by people that he worked with, and he was being made fun of and ridiculed and just really put in a, in a corner. It almost sounded infantile. And they were grown adults. And he kept saying to me, because he you know, heard my stories over the years, and you know, truth be told, I think all of us would have stories of people that have done difficult things to us. We probably all have war scars of things that we could look your skin. Teach me how to have thicker skin. And I told him, I said, you're asking the wrong question. The question you need to know, you need to ask is, how can God give me a bigger heart? Not how you can have thicker skin. Because if we want to have thicker skin, then we're just defending ourselves against the things around us. But Jesus doesn't call us to just defend ourselves. The way that we can respond as a follower of Christ to honor Christ is to have a greater understanding of how much love Jesus has given us. I can say this in a different way. Jesus said it in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you. He says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. John 13, 34. Can you put that up there, please? John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. What is he saying in that scripture? He's saying the key to learning how to treat others the way Christ wants you to treat them is to reflect, to meditate, to understand the way Christ loves you. Because the more we have a greater understanding in the way that Jesus loves us, the easier it is for us to extend love towards other people. You with me so far? It's really important. For, I said this a bunch of times today, but it's so important for us to understand that. Because the answer is not, Lord, just I need to try harder. We don't need to try harder. We need to go deeper. We need to build a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior. We need to meditate on the things that draw us closer to God because the more we understand his love for us, the more we can give love to other people. So this morning, I want to look at three things on the basis of love. And I want to encourage you to maybe grab a hold of one of these things this week and just meditate on it. And by meditate, I don't mean anything crazy or weird. I'm saying focus on it. Chew on it. 
Let the thought go through your mind. Think about the thing that really grabs your heart today and say, Lord, teach me how to have a greater understanding of this specific thing. Because when you meditate on something, you don't just hear it for a moment and let it disappear. You let it get planted in your mind and your heart. You let it build and grow so it puts down roots and it begins to bear fruit. Maybe one of these things is something the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to consider over the next week. And I hope you'll be able to see that and you can meditate on it. So if we have to learn how to respond the way that Jesus wants us to learn to respond, we have to understand how his love applies to us. So how does God love us? On the basis of love, I want to look at three things this morning. Number one, on the basis of love, God calls us to repentance. On the basis of love, he calls us to repentance. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? When people hear the word repentance in this world, many times they associate it with negativity, yelling, pounding pulpits, fire and brimstone, right? Some of the things that we've heard about. And let's be clear, God does not in any way condone sinful behavior. It leads to death and destruction and it separates us from a relationship with God. But it is not the wrath of God that brings us to repentance. It is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance, It is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Nobody wants to be around someone that at any moment in time might go nuts on them and just unwind everything and just dump everything on them. Beat them up and down emotionally or verbally. No one wants to be around people like that. People that stay around people like that maybe are trapped. Maybe they have no place to go. Maybe they feel like they're just stuck in a prison because they're, they're stuck by someone around them who's just controlling. And they control with their words and they control with their actions. And they can say, that's not the way that God draws us. He doesn't use his words as a weapon. He doesn't use his actions as a weapon. It is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. Think about the people that you know. And think about the people that you want to build relationship with. Do you want to build a relationship with people that are always willing to talk about how everything is horrible and how you're just a screw-up in life? Does that motivate you to change? Would it motivate you? Especially those of you that have spouses. Try it. Just don't credit me with the idea. That you go home and you point out everything about your spouse that you hate. And you say, if you would just do all these things better, we could love each other better. Try it and see how it works. I can promise you something. One, I will deny that I ever gave you that idea. And two, it will bear no fruit in your relationship. Because that's not the way to draw somebody to a deeper relationship. It's the kindness. It's the love that God has for us. That as we understand that, and we understand that while we were not worthy of these things, he drew us to himself, not because of what we could do, but because of what he would do for us. So on the basis of love, God calls us to repentance. And when you recognize and you understand, and I understand, that the honest-to-God truth of why he pursues us is motivated in kindness and not in wrath, it changes the way we see God. And now all of a sudden, he's not just some guy that's looking to hurt us or doesn't care about us or he's too busy. No, he loves us enough to extend kindness so that we can come close to him. Maybe that's the thing you need to meditate on this morning. Maybe you need to meditate that God calls us to repentance and he does it through kindness. Because maybe your view of God today 
is the lightning bolt God. Maybe your view of God today is the God who is looking for you to mess up so he can smack you. Maybe he's the God that doesn't affirm you in things, but he actually beats you down. And maybe some of the way you see God is because of the way you saw your dad or your mom or people that you grew up with. And I don't know any of that. What I know is that when we view God through that lens, the Holy Spirit wants us to rethink it. Because on the basis of love, he calls us to repentance because of his kindness. Number two, on the basis of love, God made us alive. On the basis of love, he made us alive. Verse four of um, Romans, I'm sorry, of Ephesians four, four through five, says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in tr- transgressions, which are sins, it is by grace you have been saved What motivated God to make us alive in Christ? His great love for us. Because it is by grace we have been saved. This is such a powerful scripture because we don't live in a world that tells us love should be given unconditionally. Many times we live in a world where our value and approval is determined by what we can do for someone else. You are valued when you produce. You are valued when you deliver. You have value when you bring something to the table. And you know what the gospel tells us about Jesus? We brought nothing to the table. You and I brought nothing to the table. And we never could bring anything to the table. We bring our dead, empty selves. And God loves us. And he sees us absolutely helpless. And he extends his hand of mercy to us and makes us alive with Christ by giving us an opportunity to trust in Christ. He breathes life into us, draws us in repentance so that we were once dead in our sins and now we can be made alive in Christ. You know what I love about this? There's two things in this. One, I love the fact that there's nothing I ever could have done that would make God lovely more. And I'll be so honest with that. It is such a hard concept for me to understand. There's nothing that I have done that could make God love me more. Because I look at circumstances in my life. I look at the boneheaded things I say sometimes and the actions that I do. And I go, you still love me in the midst? You, you couldn't love me more? Because I know as a human, it's hard for me to say that about anybody else in my life. It doesn't matter what they would do to me. I'm just going to absolutely love them regardless. Probably your spouse and your kids are the closest you're ever going to come to that. But even in the midst of that, sometimes there's wounding, there's hurting, there's a distance that people can put between people when they become wounded by other people, by their words or their actions. And in God's situation, he looks at us and he says, there's nothing you could do that would make me love you less. And there's nothing you could do that would make make me love you more. Think about that. His love for you is bigger than anything that you could ever hope for or imagine. Well, Paul, if that's the case, why am I going through this crap right now? If that's the case, why am I struggling through this? If that's the case, and can I tell you this morning? I don't know. I don't know what you're dealing with and why you're dealing with it. Here's what I do know. He promises in the scripture to use all things to work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I love my kids. I didn't give them everything they wanted. I love my kids. We put boundaries in things that they were allowed to do and things they couldn't do. I love my kids. I talk to them about what was acceptable and what type of responsibilities they need to have. And if they chose not to do them when they become of age and they're, and they're adults, it's on them. It's not on me. 
and they deal with the consequences. How loving would it be for me just to write them a blank check from the time they're younger to do whatever they want? Let's just be honest. Kids are stupid. Look, Come on, you can say it's okay. You cannot. Because you know why? You were all kids at one point, right? They're not the brightest, especially when they're really little, really, really little. They don't know anything. They're learning and they're growing. As we grow, we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to have different experiences and different expressions. We're supposed to adjust and make changes. And that's okay. Kids are not the brightest when they're young. Parents are supposed to introduce things to them at different times. And that's okay because that's love. To try to love someone without boundaries doesn't mean that you love them without consequences or without wisdom for them to follow. Without boundaries means there's nothing they could do more or less that would make you love them more or less. But it doesn't mean that you eliminate all instruction. God loves you so much that he made you alive while you were dead in your sins. And it is by grace we have been saved. Maybe that's what you need to meditate on this week. That he doesn't look at you and think of you less than the person that you're sitting next to today. He doesn't look at you and think that you're less than the person who just, in your mind, just loves Jesus and God's using in some amazing way. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you need to realize through spending time with him that you are just as important to him as every other person in this world. When we understand that, it changes the way we see other people. Do you know why? For a few reasons, but one of the reasons is that the person we want to cast judgment on, we have to remember in that moment, is equally loved by God. Think about that. And it would be easy for me when I don't think about how much God loves me and loves that person to want to exact punishment or consequence on that person. That's done in anger where God says, you think I love you and that's true, but I also love them. Even the people that hate you, God loves just as much as he loves us. It should affect the way that we speak and it should affect the way that we live. Number three, on the basis of love, he doesn't just call us to repentance or make us alive. The last one, God welcomes us into his family on the basis of love. Because he draws us to repentance from his kindness. He makes us alive when we were dead in our sins. And on the basis of love, he welcomes us into his family. First John 3, 1 John writes, Think how much the Father loves us. He loves us so much that he let us be called by his children as we truly are. What would happen tomorrow if you woke up and you got a phone call and it was from some attorney you'd never heard of? Now, you got to play the game with me because some of you are older and some of you are younger, so it applies to others more than it does to some. And someone said, we have news for you. Um, we were doing some research, and it came out recently that uh, you are actually the son or daughter of Jeff Bezos. Now, you're, you're, you're a love child, but you're still one of his kids, okay? We have figured it out. We know that you are related to him. We did some, you know, we went on the DNA tree or whatever, and we did 23andMe, and we figured it all out. And now there's a whole law thing going on, but basically you are related to him. You are his son or you are his daughter. Let me ask you a question. How would your life change overnight if you knew that you were related to him? 
I'm not asking you to answer. I want you to think about it. Do you think your quality of life might change? Do you think your standard of living might change? Do you think that's possible? Yeah, let's not be technical and go, well, what if he doesn't want to give me anything? You know what I'm going with. Do you think any of that would change if you found out tomorrow he was your father? A hundred percent things would begin to change. Why? Because when you're part of the family, you also are entitled to some of the things the family gets. And a good father, a great father, wants to give gifts to their children wants to give gifts to those that he has called sons and daughters. A good father chooses to do that. And yet John says here, when because of love, on the basis of love, when you trust in Christ, God welcomes us into his family. He doesn't call us friends alone. He doesn't call us servants. He doesn't call us creation. What does he call us, church? Children. He calls us his children. And that's not an insult to say you're little kids. He's saying, I'm your dad. You hear me? I'm your father. And because I'm your father, there are things I want you to experience in this life. There's a relationship I have for you I want you to experience in this life. And when you experience it, it will change the way you think because the love of God will become in you and it will come out of you and it will influence all the people that you interact with. The apostle Paul is going back to Philemon and he's saying, this man that was once your servant He is no longer just a servant. He is, if you will. What did he say? He's like one of, he's another man. He's a fellow man and he's also part of our family. He's a brother in the Lord, he said. And the more that we understand that God calls us into his family, not because of what we did, but because of who Jesus is, the more we have things, the more we have ways to love others. The basis of love changes the way we live. When we love differently, It views the world through a completely different set of lenses. The more we love God, the more that we understand the love that God has towards us. So I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're looking at things in your life and you've had to rethink how to respond to certain things, be careful who you listen to. Because you may be justified legally or for whatever reason for something that someone has done to you or against you. But you have to ask yourself if that's the way that God wants you to respond. Because what he says through these things are, if you want to be someone who loves others like me, you need to be someone who receives the love I've given to you. We shouldn't be praying for thicker skin. We need to pray for deeper and bigger hearts. And that's the key to welcome other people and to love other people as Christ has asked us to live or to to love. It's seeing things through different lenses. Today, we're going to continue to provide an opportunity for you all to do that as well. Um, We're going to take a moment and we're going to give some thanks. And the worship team is going to come up here and we're going to take a few moments for the rest of our service. And we're going to continue what we did last week. Psalm 89, 1 through 2 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Psalm 89. Why am I reading that? Because one of the ways we demonstrate and we understand and we can begin to meditate on the way that God loves us is to give thanks for the things in our lives. To give thanks for the things in our lives. 
Are you thankful for the things that God has done in your lives? Summer said earlier in the first service, someone talked about each day just being a gift. When we recognize the things that are happening in our world and the way that we live in this world and we see what God has done and we give thanks for those things, it gives God a greater opportunity to remind us of just how much he loves us and in turn, we can then learn to love others. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take another few minutes Last week, if you were here, we had our Thanksgiving service and people were able to come and they were able to share things that God was doing in their life. And we had to cut that short because we also had to fit in time to decorate our boxes of love, which we did. And we wrote some cards. But we really want to make sure that we take some time today and we offer a little bit more time for you to do that. So if you were here last week and you missed an opportunity, or maybe you're here for the first time and you missed last week, and you just want to take a moment and you want to thank God publicly for something, we want to give you a little bit of time to do that. So I'm going to take this stand and I'm going to move it to the side here. I'm going to bring a microphone and I'm going to come here to the front. I'm just going to stand here for a few moments. And if you're here and you would like to declare the goodness of God, as Psalm 89 says, and you want to talk about things that you're thankful for, come on up. Share a few moments so that others can be encouraged because you never know what someone else is walking through and how your words or your testimony could actually encourage them. So if you have something you'd like to share, I invite you to come up now. Thanksgiving that I was going to share last weekend and I didn't, so I feel like this is accountability for me to share now. (laughs) Um, I started out the year in grad school and knowing that my deadline for being out of grad school was approaching in June. And I remember saying at the beginning of the year, like, my entire life is going to change halfway through this year. Like, what's going to happen? And I was so scared, but I knew all the times in the past that God provided for me where he needed me to be or go or do things. And um, coming out of grad school, I had a job and an apartment just like lined up and it was crazy timing. And I think God knew ahead. I know God knew ahead of time, but I just want to say thank you to God for good timing. that the ice was broken. Who's next? It's not scary. Something you just want to publicly thank God for, big or small. Well, I was going to do this last week, but then we ran out of time. So I was like, all right, I guess I don't have to. And then (laughs) figures, God makes time. Um, No, it's it's God, not you. Um, So, um, I'm Cooper, a uh, long-time listener, first-time sharer, so um, I've been wanting to do that joke for years. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, what God has really just been put on my heart this past year um, has just been, like, really that during our times of, like, anxiousness and those times when we just really need, like, strength, go to him. And that's just been, like, this theme. I just feel like he's just been putting my heart all year and... You know, sometimes I've done it and sometimes I haven't. And, you know, I just feel that like the calmness that I would get when I would seek him 
when I would spend time in his word, when I would pray, when I would do all that stuff. Um, it's just very refreshing. And I just feel like, you know, this past year, it's just been really kind of put on my heart. And I feel like with just different things that, you know, worship team or any of the pastors or anyone, you know, it's kind of this reoccurring theme. I just kept feel like kept coming up. Um, so I just encourage all of you, you know, I know everyone is going through something. Just seek God, ask for him to come give you additional strength, help with your anxiousness, whatever it may be. Um, I know that's kind of a challenge for me and I trying to do that more and more and more. Um, and then, you know, I mean, cause like I have a wonderful wife, two wonderful kids, and that's just like times where, you know, I'd be in a really bad, sour mood. Um, and, you know, just their smiles or laughter or just joking or just something they would do would just kind of, you know, snap me out. And I think sometimes, you know, we kind of lose sight of all the blessings we do have around us. And we just need to be thankful for all that. So, all right, that's all. wanted to say that this past year has been a little bit rough uh, physically, mentally, spiritually and the Lord has been bringing me through. I want to appreciate um, give him thanks and give you folks thanks as well. I don't know if you guys realize but knowing that there's many people thinking of you praying for you, it's really a big boost and gives you a lot of uh, power to go ahead and just get better. share this last week too, but uh, that didn't happen, so I guess I'll, I'll do it too. Right. So, um, <clears throat> last year was a great year for our family with welcoming LJ into our into our lives at the end of January, and we were so blessed. Um, when he was born, um, everything was going well, except he did aspirate and was really struggling to breathe. Um they tried the CPAP that didn't work. So they had to give him oxygen and, you know, they took him out into the NICU. And I really felt like God was putting certain people in certain places at that time, because I will get over anxious and, and things. And I got down to the NICU, um, and we had learned that he was given a medication that he wasn't supposed to be given. And so the panic just kicks in of, you know, how can I trust these doctors with my newborn baby who's struggling to breathe? Um, but I had a nurse that would come all the way down from labor and delivery to the NICU, which they had to move because of COVID, so it was on the other side of the hospital, and she would come all the way down just to bring me medication, because here I am out of a C-section, and I felt like I couldn't leave him, so I stayed the whole time, and she would come all the way down 
to bring me medication because she knew that I was struggling. We couldn't have, you can't have water in the NICU. She would sneak me little cups of water, um, help me out so I could get something to eat so DJ and I could always be with him. And it just, and then when we finally got back to our room, we had so many nurses just reach out and love on us. And it was really the support. And I really felt that God put those people in that space for us to make it through okay. Um, Knowing how anxious that I am that we left the hospital and felt like, okay, we're good, you know? And it was just, you know, you just felt God's touch. So I just wanted to share that. I was here last week and I gave my testimony and I just want everyone to know you're all blessed every day every day you wake up that's a gift from God and I meet so many people when I say I always say how are you today and they say well okay you know I'm up I said you know what God gave you another day you are totally blessed So being a two-time breast cancer survivor, every day I wake up, every day I get through is a blessing. So every one of you in here today and every day are blessed by God. So you all have something to say that God did for you. service with a song. Anyone else? Come on. I have been praying for reconciliation for my children for a long, long time. And he does answer prayer. Because on Thanksgiving Day, my son talked to all of my daughters, four of them. They were going back and forth reminiscing about when they were younger, the parade. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for answering prayer that uh, they're speaking together. But most of all, I pray for salvation for my entire family, all of them. I have one daughter who's serving the Lord out of five children. And I have 18 great-grandchildren and 15 grands. And I'm asking the Lord to save them, to open their eyes, open their hearts to him, and serve him. Because God is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you. And I didn't cry. (laughs) Well, Lene had uh, the sessions last 
week. Um, I thought there was going to be another one. I told my wife I would come up, and they were, it was there. So I had another opportunity as well. But um, um, a couple of people shared last time about, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to find something to be thankful for. And I'm probably one that could find a lot of things to not be thank- thankful for as opposed to being one to recognize things to be thankful for all the time. But um, we've been going through some rough times, and uh, I had a sister that passed away in October, and my brother-in-law, her husband, had been dealing with Alzheimer's for a number of years before that and has been declining. And um, when my sister passed away, I was speaking with another, another of my sister, and another thing that I'm bad about is just having close relationships and you know we we knew my sister and I wanted an opportunity to ask her we, we believed that she was saved but we wanted the opportunity to just, just have a conversation before she passed away and I never had that opportunity so after she passed away uh, the Lord put it on my wife's heart to uh, to schedule or have a time to go visit my brother-in-law who's again dealing with Alzheimer's and most of the days he he is really really bad Um, we had a a good visit with him he I mean his head was up instead of down like a lot of times and he was responding not verbally but smiling and uh, nodding his head different times and uh, we were there visiting at the time it was uh, for them to take him to lunch so the nurse some of the nurses came in and they were so wonderful they they really great nurses and they started saying oh your sister she was always in here reading scripture to him and praying praise songs and she's talking to the people about the lord um at at, that the lunch tables when she had and it was just like a way of god saying you know she's she's okay she's with me and um so i just wanted to thank him for that reassurance so Thank you for this opportunity because I too was going to share last week and I didn't. Um, and I just think that's what I also say about the church is having these opportunities for us to share from the heart. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about that I was very grateful for was um, just even beginning like the presence nights last year. Like you, the church is allowed a place for us to come and worship and for people to come up and have prayer. And that first night, like people were like ears were being open you know headaches were being removed it was all those things it was just an opportunity for us to pray for one another and for other people to step out of the chairs and say hey okay i'm ready to have some prayer for this so it was like this two-way you know communication and i've just felt the presence of the lord be here even stronger and stronger throughout this past year and i'm just so grateful to be a part of a congregation that's allowing that and I think it's so awesome that it's actually this week again you know so it's like we have this opportunity to partner one you know together as a community so thank you that's right seven o'clock on Wednesday night 7 p.m. Wednesday night who else Mr. Clapper come on up hey y'all I'm Daniel um Trish and I have been through a pretty crazy 
crazy year. Uh, it started really cool. We found out um, back in April that we were going to be having our first child. Um, we found, uh, we told our family, um, or the same night we were going to tell our family, my brother-in-law and his wife also told them that they found out they were expecting. So they're, they've been going a month apart, my wife and my sister-in-law, through the pregnancy together, which has been really cool. Um, we found out a few weeks in that Trish had uh, gestational diabetes, so she had to um, make a big transition of testing her blood sugar four times a day, taking insulin every night, um, which was really tough to go through, but it's been good. The baby's been really healthy. Um, they're on track for December 30th due date. Um, we're really excited. Um, all throughout this time, we had a summer that uh, we got hit with. Our car got, um, the engine just went out. We had to completely buy a new engine, got hit with a several thousand dollar bill um, in a, a year where we're preparing to have a baby, trying to save some money. Uh, so that uh, comes through. Um, we have to deal with that. We pray through that. We pray and we ask. We're asking ourselves, how can we trust God more than ever during this time when we have no idea what the finances are doing? We we come together. We increase our giving um, to just fully trust in God and that He's gonna provide everything for us so a few weeks probably a couple weeks after we get the car all back everything's all good we're on vacation with my family and one of the nights um i get a venmo um from one of my brothers for like several thousand dollars completely covering the cost of the engine uh, from the whole family uh they completely blessed us and that was just wiped away it's in the in the rear view mirror and we were able to just thank god for everything he did for us for through that um and the car's been running great which is good uh and then uh yeah just the past couple months uh the lord opened up a new opportunity for me to get a new job uh, i started that last month uh the month before that, we moved into a new apartment. We've got now a two-bedroom two apartment for a place for our new baby to, to live. Um, and yeah, just whatever everything the Lord's been doing for us this, this year has been crazy. It's just the goodness of God has not stopped being um, shown to us through every season that we went through. So just want to thank God for everything he did this year. Daniel, if the baby comes two days early, I won't complain because that's my birthday, man. Just saying. Anyway, hi. What's your name? Caleb. Hi, Caleb. I'm usually shy speaking in front of people. Uh, I think this is probably my first time doing this. But I just want to bless uh, God for everything that he has done. I would say um, my name is probably testimony because of what God has really done in my life and my family. Um, bringing me to the United States for grad school and um, taking me through the process um, with zero um, student loan, um, 
graduating with the best grade ever um, in my department and um, seamlessly getting a job uh, between few years being a director of, of a multi-billion dollar company. Um, it's just been so crazy. And um, also for health as well. Uh, I've never been to the hospital. I, I'm not on any medication. And also for my, my family as well. My parents are in their 80s. Zero medication, zero surgery. Uh, it's just been God. And um, also um, an addition to my life as well. Me and my girlfriend got engaged yesterday, which was so. I I can't just thank God enough. He's been awesome. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. And congratulations to you both. Do like maybe two more or so. Come on up. both um so we i've always been to uh, a spanish church and i've had trouble connecting with god because sometimes i couldn't understand what they were trying to um uh, show or preach and i as a teenager it's kind of hard you know trying to connect with them by myself so a couple months, about two months ago, my mom really wanted me and my brothers to find a way to connect, um, find a better way to connect with God. So she found Bridge, and this is our sixth time coming here, and I understand everything so well. So I just want to say I'm thankful for God for bringing us here. Thank you. So, Paul, I have one. My heart's pounding, and I was like, I'm not going to share. I shared last week that she got up. I'm going to try not to cry, but I am so thankful, grateful for the people that God has put into place for our youth. It matters people that come every Wednesday, the people that pray for them, um, our youth is alive. And I'm just so grateful, Sarah. I'm so grateful that you guys just, every week, you come and you pour your hearts into these kids. And as a parent, that matters because we don't want them to get lost to the world. And I know that when my kids come on Wednesday, that they're in a safe place. So I just want to thank you guys publicly (laughs) for, um, just putting your your life and your yeah so thank you okay if there's one more out here that's good are you encouraged isn't that good to hear people share it's so good come on both of you no no come on both of you we're gonna do rock pepper paper scissors no 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 I'm just kidding you get on deck and we'll do Miss Marlene first I'm gonna make it faster so um, um, I thanks the Lord for the Thanksgiving Day. It was uh, 
special day for course for United States, but uh, it's also special for me because I came here and I came here fifth, uh, 30 years ago in Thanksgiving Day, 30 years ago. And uh, so I'm here one more year. So I thank the Lord for that. And uh, even with difficult times and trials and tribulation, I'm here and uh, the Lord is good. It's good morning. This is maybe silly, but I just wanted to share it. Um, For those of you that don't know, I just moved back to the States this summer from India, and um, I was really grateful. My parents had an extra car for me to be able to drive, and it's not a new car by any means, but it was getting me from A to B. Um, There were a few times that I needed picked up from places where it would not start, and my dad would come and fix it and help me get going again. Um, But one day, it was not starting again and I had gotten picked up and taken back home and um, my dad had gone back to the car and had looked at it and was working on it and nothing was um, getting fixed and so I was like oh man I think the car is like really dead now I'm not sure what to do and I had gone to a bible study that night and was asking the women there I was like can you guys please pray like I need a miracle for this car I don't like I need to be able to get to work so that I can earn money to buy a new car um, and if I don't have that, I'm not really sure what to do. So Pastor Paul was very generous and loaned me a car for a few days. I was very grateful. But the next day, my dad went back with the trailer to try to pull the car back home so he could fix it. And when he went, it started. And it started working, and it has been running just fine ever since. And so I really believe the Lord healed my car. <laughs> We believe that too. Yeah, she sent me a text and she said, healed the car. I'm like, that's an interesting choice of words. I think it's true. He's healed other things. Aren't you encouraged to hear some of the things that God's done? I hope you are. Because when we think about that and we give thanks and we have an attitude of gratitude, we're reminded that when God calls us to love others, it's not because he wants us to do something out of our own strength. He just wants us to be reminded of how much he loves us. And the more we understand how much he loves us, the easier it is for us to love others. So I asked the worship team if they would close us out on a song this morning. It's a great song that reminds us of the love of Christ. So if you would just stand as they just close us in this song today. Jesus, we just come before you today. And I want to thank you for the testimonies today and your goodness. I want to thank you, Lord, for giving your son so that we may live. God, continue to draw us closer to you. And may we walk in the victory that comes by serving a risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.